You're listening to the Rec2Tech podcast. We connect the tech thought leaders across the globe to deliver content that allows you to make better career and hiring decisions. Firstly, thanks for everyone who's tuned in. This is another episode of Preparing the Unprepared. Um, Off the back of what was a really interesting discussion with Ben Taylor on Dads in Data, uh, I've decided that I want to kind of explore the other side and, and mothers in technology, being that I've, I know very little about it. I'm not a mother. Um, so I thought I'd bring three amazing mothers into the uh, the panel today. And we're going to discuss a whole bunch of different topics, everything ranging from um, what it's like to be a mum, homeschooling, um, maternity leave, re-entry, back into the office, balancing, you know, family and work. So to do that, I brought along Brandy, Kate and Gail. Um, I was wondering if you guys could introduce yourselves initially. Yeah, sure. So, hi, I'm Brandy Sanders, Senior Director of Marketing Operations with Appetize Technologies, and I have one kiddo, which is making some guest appearance in the audio of this video. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I'll Brandy, wait, how, how old is she, Brandy? I just I missed that. Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, oh, that's cool. And has Sorry, a- go ahead, Gail. Has- Two, two and a half. Yes. We're going to get serenaded uh, the whole time, guys. Just break your impact. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, done that, Brandy. Been there, but done that twice. Um, yeah, so um, I'm Gail Gallagher. You can call me Gigi if you'd like. You can call me Gail if you prefer. Uh, I'm formerly of Amazon. Now I am of, uh, I guess, retirement. Um, but I run a little passion project called Amazon Interview Wiz, which you can see here. And uh, I offer kind of tips and support for people who are going through the rather peculiar Amazon process. I have two kids as well. I have my first, my eldest, he's a boy and he's just hit 13. Uh, oh my God. And uh, my youngest is a girl and she's just hit 10. Um, so Brad, you've got such great stuff to look forward to. Sorry, I'm sweating. That's exciting. Um, hi, everyone. Kate Sachne. I'm the founder of Story by Data and the Dedicated Academy. Also hosting a conference. Sorry, Lewis, I have to plug it. I have a conference yeah, coming up. It. It's <laughs> called the Dedicated Conference. If you want to um, check that out, just go to storybydata.com and you'll find it. Uh, besides that, I, I like running and I do have two kids. So I have two girls, ages four, and the other one will be six in a couple of days. So they're best friends though. So it's it's worked out well because they're less than two years apart and they're both girls and they've got each other. And for the most part, it's been great for the most part. Okay. <laughs> so I've, um, I think a lot of people from this particular kind of series know me. I, obviously, again, I'm not a mother, um, but I am expecting a baby uh, next year. So I'm very, very interested to try and get as many tips as I possibly can for my own self and hopefully, you know, share some of those with uh, with the, the audience as well. So I kind of wanted to, to dive straight in, really, and, and talk about what it's like to be a mother and to have a full-time career. I mean, everyone's at a slightly different stage in terms of where they are in motherhood, but uh, but keen to, to understand what that's like for you guys. I feel like... It was, oh, I thought it was difficult before, but now we have homeschooling. I think that's, that just tells everything. Because I thought it was just, it was difficult before because, you know, you're managing the schedules and, and their stuff and their bedtimes and before it was nap times and feedings and all of that good stuff. But now we've got homeschool. So I've also recently been you know, promoted, I guess, to a full-time teacher. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that's a promotion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> promotion. Okay. Who sold that to you as a promotion? They were lying. <laughs> the, the Department of Education. The equity <laughs> Like, what a package. What a package. Are you best to get? Because, oh my God. I mean, from my point of view, I think the biggest thing uh, about kind of what it's like to be a full-time working parent and I think it's quite different we mentioned my kids are quite a bit older than your kids right so uh, when I had children actually things were quite different it's moved on massively at least in the UK since I had kids but I think the biggest thing for me is about learning to just accept and forgive yourself 
you know, mm. you just fail, you fail at everything, or at least you probably feel like you fail at everything. And I think it's a really big learning curve to go from a place where you really felt good about yourself, you were on it, you had your plans, you were able to execute your plans, you were able to leave the house at the time you were going to leave the house, and you were able to <laughs> leave and realize that you had all your underwear on the right way round and all of those things. Um, you know, that, that's just over once you have kids and learning to forgive yourself for mm. all of those failures i think for me anyway was the biggest learning curve because you can you just keep failing as your children grow older you just fail in different things mm. um so giving yourself that permission anyway was i think my biggest learning experience and it took a couple of years to learn that oh yeah it's the biggest a b test of my life um <laughs> Is there an alternative? Have you got some kind of parallel universe going on where you've got your control and your test? It's my sanity versus successful output. Um, that's the test. And in case you, if you can't tell by the background, my sanity is probably going to be the one going. Uh, <laughs> the KPI is, have I been hit in the face with a diaper today? Um, 20% likelihood. No, uh, I mean, it's definitely like the failure part is great. I, I think what I missed and I feel like we don't talk about enough is, is that we get a lot of the being a parent is life changing and I've never felt love like this before. And oh my gosh, it's an instant bond and it's magical and like dubs fly in the room, like a Disney movie. And it's like, oh, you're a mother and, and everything just goes great. And every time you breastfeed, it's successful. But the reality of it for me, no matter how many books I read, <laughs> no matter how many Googling what to expect. Um, it was just, I was born the same day as my child. So I became a mother the same day this child was born. So I was born, this kid was born. Like I was not a mother before that. And it was just a paradigm shift because the restructure, well, from the time I knew I was pregnant, the restructure in my brain was prioritization drastically changed. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that I had assumed that I knew about myself went through a, a, like a complete like 180. It was just like, whoop, just kidding. Like you thought you knew how to do that. <laughs> now you're super exhausted and you don't know. And I think the not knowing and the losing your identity is so key because if you're career driven or you're passionate about the work that you do or anything, if you have any like passion play in your life, that goes through an incredible transformation for me personally, my own biased opinion, when you become a mom, because I didn't, I didn't know where to put those those balls in the air. And there was a great point about this the other day with like, oh, they always talk about like you're juggling balls and you, you know, you've got family and career and work and passion project and all this stuff. And then some are plastic and some are glass. So you have to be mindful to catch the glass and let the plastic go. And I think that was Nora, I can't remember her last name, but that's what I discovered. And I mean, it was painful. I feel like people don't talk about that enough. It's always like this glorious, like, like filtered version of like momhood where it's like I love it it's the thing blah 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 but then the reality is postpartum depression for most folks or like how what am I even gonna do how can I be both things and then externally people saying are you still gonna work what are you gonna do and I'm like I'm like I just had a c-section I can't answer these questions yeah <laughs> it's like and how how did you guys for me I'm not gonna lie I was curious about how you guys dealt with the whole point about being in tech and a lot of what we do in tech is very rational and planned and yeah. logical. And I know that there's obviously a lot of juggling and a lot of pivoting you have to do and reactiveness, but ultimately we work in very data or kind of orientated organizations, we're structured, we have plans, etc. And you are used to living your life in quite a structured and predictable fashion. But running tandem to that, you have this other life that is just like chaos. Okay. And I was curious, my experience was my experience. How did you guys cope with these two parallel types of lives? Yeah, so I'm I doing think... a job for you, Lewis. No, no, no. Yeah, please, no, please, please. <laughs> and actually, I told Lewis in the beginning that I have to make sure not to ask questions and I'm trying my best to keep quiet because I what I have this tendency to continue asking questions. But no, please um, do. Please do. Yeah, I love I love that. I think for me, I was in consulting right before I got pregnant. Actually, the reason I got into data and analytics is because of my first daughter. Um, I was working a crazy, I mean, I guess it wasn't crazy for everybody, but my client and the demands for that client was pretty crazy where I was working nights, every night, weekends, all weekend, every weekend um, for months at a time. And I was traveling and I remember being very pregnant and thinking, no way, there's no way I'm gonna miss every second of, you know, at that time I didn't know my daughter or son um, life. 
And uh, that's actually what pushed me into looking for a stay-at-home gig where I can actually work remotely and got into data six years ago, almost exactly six years ago, because she's almost six. And um, yeah, it definitely changed things. But to address your question about juggling, one thing in that hectic career lifestyle I learned is it's always going to, you're always going to be throwing curveballs, right? The client's going to say, okay, now I want this. And then your kid's also going to say, okay, I don't want, I don't eat mac and cheese anymore. What's wrong with you, mom? And I'm like, you ate this for years and now you don't eat it. What's happening? And it's the same as the client saying, well, we don't use this anymore. Build a new thing. <laughs> and you kind of, it's very similar uh, tactics of managing clients and managing kids or raising kids. I should say raising, right? Not managing. <laughs> but definitely taught me a lot um, in terms of the shifting expectations and priorities that you have to put up with all the time. I, I, I'm afraid of when they're older, BG. I don't know, 10 and 13 pounds sounds scary. Mine will be like 10 and 12, I guess. So that's close in age I, too. I, I would love to to be the type of brand, person Brandy was talking about earlier, but I'm not. I'm the person that just lays it out there, and it's just awful. We're sold this dream of motherhood, and I'm full pause here before anyone sends me like, "Hey, me on this." I being a mother is the top priority in my life. Stop, full stop. Like there will be nothing, no project. No startup, no equity, no investment, no money, no house, no car, no anything that will ever top being a mother. But, but caveat, asterisk, <laughs> which is hard. And it fundamentally changes you. Like we, we, I love that as mothers, we protect mothers who are newly pregnant by not giving them all the stuff. Because most people, if they knew before, would be like, I'm out of here. Like, I can't do this. That's proof the birthday happened the other day. If they knew they were coming home in a diaper, they'd never do it. So you can't like give the full shabam at the beginning. But I've definitely, I feel like the more you normalize the fact that like postpartum is real, what the hell am I doing with my life is real, juggling the idea of like career versus do I, can I breastfeed in this meeting on mute if we're on Zoom? Like, hey, let me hide that. Uh, is there even a place to do these things? Is there a voice for me or advocacy in the org? Like, I think all of that is very normal and it's normal for it to not be normal because you just created a sentient being that you have to care for until your time expires on planet earth. That's huge. It's massive. And so I think that like we, 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 a lot of the time people just want to see the baby, but they don't want to hear about the labor pains. <laughs> and, but we're, we're the stakeholders of that. So I love sharing the, the reality because there's a glorious wonder to close face kisses and saying good night and seeing them grow as beings. But there's also an exhaustion, a soul sucking tiredness that you eventually kind of acclimate to hopefully, but <laughs> it's like you just kind of get used to the abuse. Um, but it's, it's, it's important to, I think, share these things in a candid way, because a lot of the time we're spoon fed this like Pinterest and I love Pinterest. Don't get me wrong, but like this very editorial way of looking at motherhood, but it's down and dirty. It's the hardest scrum of my life. <laughs> this, so who's, so who's driving that internally? One. Who's driving that internally within businesses then? Because if let's say I hired a team right now, I don't know enough about being a mother or what it's like that, you know, right. trials and tribulations of being a parent in general. Like, how can I be prepared for someone who's going to turn around and say, look, I'm having a kid. And then yes. trying, you know, when they come back to the, the office or the team, creating an environment that, that allows them to, to do all of those really, you know, exciting, fun, tough things with their family, whilst also being able to deliver. Oh, uh, I mean, that's tough, right? And you guys can totally tramp this if you want, because I'm gonna I'm gonna rail right into that data. It's stark, right? The numbers are stark, and I'm gonna read these because I don't want to misspeak. But there was Harvard Harvard Business Review did like 41% of female tech employees exit the industry after their 10th year on the job, compared with 17% of men. 41 to 17 in data. Interesting. Tell me more, right? Women are awarded 35% of all STEM degrees each year, but they make up only 15% of data-related roles and hold 9% of leadership roles. Tell me more, right? It's not, and when it comes to work, it's not necessarily like a conscious bias. Some orgs, definitely it is. But if you're a team manager building a team and you're shipping a product that's 24 seven and you have a choice between a woman approaching say her late twenties, early thirties, which would be 
kind of like that world of like the maternity, the maternity bias. Um, and then you've got a guy right out of college, the likelihood of you thinking this person will always be available and this person's just going to get pregnant in a couple of years. And that's like not good enough for me. I need it 24 seven. Like that bias is going to be an inherent part of, of that work. So I think understanding the conscious and unconscious bias with how you're team building and how you're running an organization for that is pretty vital because it's not just like work-life balance. When we talk about parenthood a lot, that's the first thing that comes out, but it's not just that. It's like the churn rate with women in tech, particularly in data and STEM, the single biggest reason statistically and empirically speaking, why we exit is we don't get paid the same amount. We get paid less and promoted more slowly than male counterparts. That's statistically informed. And I can source the, <laughs> the research if you want to see it. But um, I think that's that's part of it is like there's there's data to say there's yet work to be done for this. And there have been leaps and bounds, which is wonderful to see. And that attrition rate, you know, with women leaving when they improve, like, for example, the the maternity leave policies and the parental leave policies at these larger tech orgs, these huge logos you know in a second, um, it drops by double digits, the attrition. So if you know there's a net there and you're invested, you're gonna come back and you're still gonna do great work, if not better work, because there's nothing that makes you a better time manager than straddling the coffee, a QBR deck, doing a diaper, paying the bills, keeping the light on, and then, oh my gosh, that kid is about to go on the carpet. Someone get a diaper. <laughs> like, I mean, there's no greater, there's no greater scrum. I don't know. Like the data is there though. There's work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if um, the audience or if you guys are familiar with Kathy O'Neill, the author of Weapons of Math Destruction. We were interviewing her for a book we wrote called Mothers in Data Science. And we, we wanted to write a book that kind of tells mothers look, data science is a great career, join us, we're happy. And I remember us asking her a question saying, you know, what inspiration words do you have to get mothers in data science? And um, if you know Kathy, you know that she talks very um, candidly and she's like, why the F would they want to go into data science? It's a terrible place to be. And I remember thinking like, for me, it was great, but then I realized it might not be great for the statistic that you just read off, right? People are not having a great time they are not being promoted, they're not being paid. And yeah, I just wanted to, to share that little story because it opened up my eyes because I only see things from my own perspective mm -hmm. and I love the field and I was lucky enough to be treated fairly and had a great maternity leave, had a great time coming back. So it, it sounds like I was well, you know, one of the lucky few that actually goes through that experience. So, I mean, I think Brandy's absolutely right in terms of kind of the, the policies and the kind of statutory requirements. As I said, I had my children quite a while ago and the policies in the UK have changed quite materially. When I had my children, it was only maternity pay. My partner couldn't get anything more than two weeks mm -hmm. paternity mm -hmm. and he got no pay for it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, whereas now the um, kind of the, the law in the UK is actually that there's this concept of shared parental leave mm -hmm. and you can get up to 50 weeks between mm -hmm. the two of you paid at 90% of your salary and if you go somewhere like Estonia it's even crazier like it's like 85 weeks or something so that yeah. that has made a big difference and you're starting to see the kind of the shift and that you can definitely see in organizations like Amazon where that dropout mm -hmm. rate of the kind of senior female is much lower in the European spaces than it is in the US oh, but sure. even then it's still not fantastic. And I think the second part for me is role modeling. It's all well and good for your organization to say to you, it's okay to go to parent teacher meetings, or it's okay if you need to work from home. I know we're all working from home now, but it's okay to work from home if your kid's sick. But it's very different knowing or being told you can do it and actually feeling you're allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. So seeing senior executives, particularly men, I think, role modeling those types of behaviors and being very vocal about the fact fact that they're role modeling it because right. it's important that other people hear about it. Once you're in an organization where you've got ideally a male leader saying, bye guys, I'm off to parent teacher night. You know, everyone feels like, okay, it's true. Yeah. I, I can go and do this. It's not just written on a policy on an intranet somewhere. It happens mm -hmm. for real. And I think that those would be the two things. It's like have the right policies, but that's not enough. It's mm -hmm. got to be role modeled and visibly role modeled by senior mm -hmm. leaders in order for people to feel they have the permission to do it. That's that's a really good point. It just every time you said that, I was just thinking of the unlimited PTO that some companies ah! offer. 
that no more types. You were reading my mind. That's right? exactly what popped into my head. Yeah. So I can see why that that might be an issue. And if it's not being driven from the top or there aren't role models, then it's kind of irrelevant writing it down on a contract or a piece of paper. Like we offer all these great benefits, but you can't take them because <laughs> we'll because we'll look at you and we'll judge you. Um, so how do you, how do you outside of like having role models like how do you change that? What if it is a new business that's kind of approaching this um, particular? I wouldn't. It's, I don't want to say challenge because it's not a challenge, but it might be a challenge for the business. But how would you advise businesses to start thinking about this? Should should it be that women are driving this internally within a business? What if you don't have a woman internally at the executive level? Like how how do you encourage that conversation to start? I almost think it should be men driving it yeah, um, okay. because, you know, you know, we're all women. We all know, you know, we all got the same, you know, we'll say exactly the same things. We're, we are saying exactly the same things. Um, the barrier, you know, not that it's an intentional barrier, but the, the barrier is the male perspective um, or the female warped male perspective, i.e. women who feel they have to act like men, whatever that means, uh, in order to, to move ahead. So if you really want women to feel that they can make use of these policies or make the different priority decisions that traditionally one might have made, I think it's got to be the guys. Okay. You know, it's got to be the guys stepping up and doing that because then if a guy can do it, then I sure as hell can. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, now, in terms of re-entry back into the workplace then, so, you know, you've, you, whether you're in America and you get three months, which, by the way, is crazy. You know, I'm from London, and, and a year seems like a fair amount of time to be able to invest in, in your child initially. Not enough, I'm sure, but in America, three months is pretty standard, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So how can you come back to the office and just be like, okay, cool, my three-month-year-old child is okay now? And, and then... And then Obviously, they're three months now. Do you think that there could be more incentives that businesses could offer that would make that transition a lot smoother? And if so, have you got any examples of, of or bad examples, good examples or bad examples of what you might have seen? Uh, hold so, on. How long have we got? <laughs> I'm waiting in anticipation. Go ahead, Randy. Go ahead. It's the popcorn mean with the deer, right? That's what it feels like. Go on, go on. Um, I mean, there's a lot of bad examples. You spend 15 minutes on any mother app, and you're gonna see it. Um, I was fortunate to have an org when when I was pregnant that um, had female leadership in like the HR department and everything. But even even at a place that was what I would call a like, pretty progressive about maternity leave. Um, Tactically, it was a bit of a mess, <laughs> and I loved I loved that org, but um, the exit and reentry was clumsy and poorly handled and not communicated very well. I was like, you know, having to call like insurance places or, hey, did we get that coverage or for FMLA? Is it this? And then like, uh, like spending two to three hours on the phone with an insurance agent while you're having like a, a contraction. Not what I'd call ideal. So when I think about like logical enablement that could be like, you know, actionable and takeaway, I would say I agree with the idea of the of the male leadership. But then also there would have to be a dedicated like almost like one person who is the the one singular point of contact in that org for exit and reentry. Their one mm -hmm. job for 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 that time and space is to and this could be you know i know they're going to be like not that many people are pregnant so we can't have a full-time employee that head counts crazy it could also be for people who have medical exit leaves i mean if you've got an org of a decent size or even if it's a small like smb mid-market you could still have one dedicated person who truly is the quarterback for that having that one consistent person versus like blast at hr dot whatever the heck I think would make this a lot easier because there's one voice that's always there for you that's on call that when you're in the middle of your, you know, gyno visit and they're like, hey, this doesn't look like it's covered or um, I think we did this already because you're high risk. So we have to do it this way or whatever. Like it would be good to know that there's a stakeholder in the org that would be that one consistent point of contact versus I'm throwing it into the ether of an email where it, it could get buried for weeks at a time and maybe not get followed up on. So I think there needs to be someone who does the, the handoff and the reentry and not the day before or not the day of. I'm talking like we're at the 30 day mark. You're out. Hi, how are you? Anything that you need? Wonderful. Um, Cause you 
can't do anything in the U.S. If you're on FMLA, you're not even allowed to like have your org email open. It's like a whole thing because that's how it works here. We'll save that for another day. We could have a long talk about how it's handled here in the U.S. because there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but I would say just like having that one consistent person would be a, a life changer. When I look back and think about how many people I had to like knock on doors and, you know, follow back up with. I mean, it's a little yeah. bit of a head scratcher because on paper, it seemed like a great program, but in reality, it was a poorly executed exit and return. And no matter how good their intention was and how good their heart was, um, the work wasn't done. Right. And that changed in post when, when, uh, other people at that org, uh, became pregnant themselves. I, it went through radical change and I was like, yeah, now that your bladder is full and it's hard to sit down and take this call, I know you're going to make a better program. And they did. Um, but not all orgs are like that. So like having a stakeholder, for exit, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day, you are at the two week mark to return. Do you have XYZ? Do you need anything? You are at the seven day week to return, blah, blah, blah. 48 hours, 24 hours, live first day, anything that you need, blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, any. imagine it's a campaign. Like treat it like a campaign. 30 days out, nurture, nurture, nurture. You've got two weeks, you've got seven days, you've got 48 hours, 24 hours, live first day, 72 hour after check in and then close the stream. Like that seems logical to me and completely actionable. Randy, you should build like a toolkit. I was gonna say, so that's business here. That's completely a business here, Brandy. Hit me up with that angel funding. (laughs) (laughs) You're ready to go to market, you're you're good. I'm just, it just seems so logical, but I wouldn't have known that before I was a mother. I would have been like, I don't know, cool. It's like a vacation, right? You get to like <laughs> chill with your baby. It's so cute. Are you like taking pictures with it and stuff? And then afterwards, I'm like, this is a train wreck. I've lost brain matter. If you ran, if you run moms through MRIs, right, in your skin, we lose brain matter. Our gray matter decreases sometimes by double digits. You have to help us, okay? We don't remember. Like, there needs to be a quarterback who can help us. And I think that's completely low cost and extremely attainable as an actionable item for an org. Absolutely. Yes. What about yourself, Kate or, or Gigi? Any, anything else that you think would be super helpful, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to re-entry? Maybe kind of incentives. Um, mm-hmm. we, we as a business offer, I mean, it's not necessarily a quarterback, but we do try and incentivize women who have come back from maternity a i think it's like five thousand pounds or something if you stay for six months in that you know we'll give you some flexibility for the first six months we want to reward you for loyalty to the business um you know you know we know you're having a tough time you might not have made it because we're a sales company right you you might not have made as much money over the last six months so there's a bonus so like little things like that um have, have you seen anything similar I, I actually have a question on that. So I think, you know, Brandy, you, you mentioned that some people will say, oh, you're, you've been on vacation or you're going on vacation. Good for you. And I, I've gotten those comments mainly from um, male colleagues, right? Because they're like, oh, how are you being promoted? Weren't you on vacation for like four or six what months? What were you and, doing? How did you deserve know, How did you deserve this? Like, what did you do? And I'm like, yes, I was on vacation. But I think there is a sense of kind of jealousy, I guess, from other colleagues where you've been on your vacation. And Honestly, for women who haven't had babies, they might think the same thing. They're like, oh, she's just chilling for a few months. This is, I didn't know either. I mean, I have a lot of um, siblings and uh, nieces and nephews. So I kind of have a sense that it's not all, you know, rainbows and butterflies. When you have kids, there are complications. There are a lot of stuff that can happen. But I think, you know, Louis, you mentioned that $5,000. I can already see the men say, what about me? I deserve it too. I've done a great job and I've actually been here. So how do you address that? I'm just curious. If if I'm honest, we haven't had too much pushback from it because the argument is, is, well, you've had the last year and six months to make that money. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think we've been lucky in that sense. We haven't had too much pushback, but I can see why that, that could potentially be a problem. And then I guess there's an element of the business just being, you know, drawing a fine line, a strong line, in fact, that says, well, this is what it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. we want to encourage women to come back into the workplace. Um, and we want them. Yeah. We, we don't want to add another stress, which is you haven't made any money for the last six right. months outside mm-hmm. of, you know, coming back. So. Mm-hmm. And there is a very practical I argument. Mean, on, as well. a, on a like super simple version. Yeah. 
No, you so, but I was to say, there's, there's, I mean, there's quite a commercial argument to be had there, which can relatively quickly close down any debate like that, which is effectively these women, particularly in the UK, you're, you're paid 90% of your or whatever it is of your um, salary for the first yep. six weeks odd, and then there's statutory pay that comes, rest time, et cetera. So your company's paying out for your services, although you're on vacation. Um, and when, when people come back, um, because of the difficulties of returning to work when you've got um, a screaming child and 50% of your brain matter, as you've said, Brandy, has deteriorated <laughs> literally overnight, uh, people leave and you have to recruit to replace them. Yeah. You've lost expertise and you're going to have to pay Lewis mm -hmm. to go off and find yourself somebody else. So yes. there's an erosive value associated with Lewis's obviously enormous commission uh, because of his expertise um, <laughs> and the skills you've lost. So, you know, £5,000 is probably at least, you know, a third of what it would actually cost you to replace mm -hmm. that individual. Um, so that's, ramp up that's time. talking about sales. That's just in sales, by the way. If you actually factor that into data, losing a good data scientist, male or female, is very mm. expensive. Mm. Yeah. Um, rehiring, the time to hire, the fact that they take six to 12 months to actually start returning some investment. Like yeah. it's not $5,000, it's more like $300,000 or $400,000. Mm. And if you're not getting this right, it yeah. will cost you that much money for getting it wrong. Yeah. So I, one of the other yeah. things that I think we can do for each other. So we've been talking, obviously, about what our organizations can do for us. And of course, mm. that's incredibly important. Uh, but equally, we all have a responsibility to be good human beings and, and help each other. Um, yeah. um, organizations that I've worked in, I mean, I thought, you know, Amazon was good at this. There are lots of kind of networks out there. Um, but I had a buddy. A friend, just a girl that I knew who had had kids a little bit before I went off for my first child. When I came back, she just instant messaged me like, how are you doing? And she would just check in on me. And I don't know about you guys, but I had those moments of um, panic where I was like an hour and a half away from my child. And I just have that kind of hormonal rush. And I was literally clinging to the desk going, I, I can't be here anymore. I've got to go. I've got to go. And I just pinged this woman. And I was like, I'm having what a moment. And she literally talked me down off the wall. And I think, although it's not formalized, you know, just being kind to each other and watching out for those other women who are in the space that we're in and being there for them. I, that makes a huge difference. It's not formal. It's not structured. Mm -hmm. But yeah. it makes the biggest difference. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And and. I mean, even if you were bringing that back into the business, you know, just be aware of your colleagues and, and how they might be feeling. And I think that's a, a really inexpensive thing to do, right? Just a, Humanity, a, a, it's free. Good, yeah, exactly. It doesn't exactly. even need a light item in the budget. It's totally free to be a good yeah. person and to care and have empathy. Yeah. So I did want to ask as well, You, you obviously the, the, the schedule is unpredictable <laughs> all over the place. Um, from when you become pregnant through to when you have the baby through to when you go back to work. Has anyone got any tools that they use? Because I was looking online and, and there was a lot of mothers talking about um, just simple things like using a calendar or even things like having uh, your lights put into your house that you can clap because when you're holding the baby, it just makes things easier. Are there, are there things or like tools or technology that you use that helped um, throughout parenthood? Mm, good question. Helps to have my husband there. Yeah, that was a help. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A pair of hands, I think, more than any technology or app that I can think of, an extra pair of hands or eyes that can watch the baby while you shower or something goes a long way. Because early on, and I don't know if, you know, Brandy and Gigi had the similar thing. I couldn't leave her like my firstborn. The second mm -hmm. one was, you know, Ava, if you ever listen to this, I love you. But the second one was like, okay, she'll be fine. Like, what's the worst that can happen? She'll be in the yeah. crib while I tower. Like, she might be That's fine. But the first one, I couldn't leave. Like, even for five minutes, I would just take her with me everywhere I went. And it was obsessive. Mm -hmm. So an extra pair of hands and eyes was helpful. Not as many um, apps and tools. I, I think I used um, what to expect when you're expecting the app. Yeah. Because every day would tell me, like, 
now it's the size of a poppy seed and now it's a blueberry and you just built a little brain and I'm like, oh my God, I just built the brain. And then after I tell you like, by now your child should be talking. And then at some point I just gave up on the app because yeah. it was kind of all over the place. But yeah, I, looking forward to hear your suggestions though. I'm, I'm using that app by the way. So yeah. <laughs> my, girlfriend, my girlfriend isn't. But she's um, she's always going to so like how pregnant are we? What should I be expecting? <laughs> People ask me how pregnant we are, which is interesting. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> I think there are trends as well in kind of how you what's popular for how you um, manage your baby in the early days. When I was um, had my my children early, the kind of the go with your baby's clock thing was a real kind of trend and everybody was just waking when their baby wakes and feeding when their baby feeds oh. and la 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 and I just I knew from the start that was not gonna work for me from the I start did that. I'm guilty of doing I, that I just twice. couldn't I can't wake up I, to be fair I planned to do that and I woke up on the first day that my son was born and was like what do I do what am I supposed to be doing <laughs> It's what I'm supposed to do. So there was a book written by a lady called Gina Ford, and I think she wrote it in like the 1960s or something. And she was real kind of old school. At this time to this time, you do this. And at this time and this time, you do that. And then this time to that. So I just wrote a spreadsheet, stuck it on every single door in my house. I told my husband, this is the spreadsheet. This is the, t this is the timetable. And this is what we do. And for the first few weeks, it just gave me a bit of security because I, mm -hmm. to, to Brandy's point, I'd never done this before. I had no idea. I used to break out into cold sweats changing my son's nappy because I was terrified that I would somehow murder him by changing his <laughs> nappy. Um, I suppose it's manslaughter really, isn't it? Because I wouldn't have done it on purpose. But <laughs> just having this little spreadsheet, it just gave me a safety blanket. And then over the time I realized, actually, if I changed this slot a little bit to that and shifted down a little, it would work better for him. And over the course of time, I did build it into his rhythm. But initially, I just, I need a spreadsheet. I need a timetable because that was me. And my, everyone made such fun of me. And, you know, the, the kind of the, you're ridiculous and babies won't adhere to your timetable and this isn't how you look after babies they're not you know they're not robots I got all of that but I think you just have to say I know who I am yep. and I know what makes me comfortable and that's what I'm gonna do and that is perfectly permissible to do the one thing that nobody else on the planet would do if it makes you comfortable yes yeah I just want to say one thing that um, anything you do, you will always get judged. So do whatever you want, because mm -hmm. seriously, anything, you could be the perfect by the book mother and somebody would be like, yeah, I wouldn't do it that way. Or you're, you're, there's something off and you're going to break your baby. You're, yeah, you'll always get judgment. So do, I, I learned yeah. early on that people are always going to tell you you're doing something wrong or yeah, just do whatever you yeah. want. <laughs> You're going to get five to 10 because you changed the nappy wrong. Like, that's it. Five to 10. That's it. You're going away. Like, I just advice. There's no zero shortage of it. And I think that when you're new to it, you know, I don't want to screw this up as the mantra, right? You're like, do better than I know. You know, let's like open every door. And I want to enable you in the best way possible to have like the easiest transition into being a sentient human being in an absolutely bad world. Um, and for me, like I leaned, I leaned heavily into technology. I was that mom. I had a, uh, a little, uh, shusher. Literally it worked. Guess what? It worked. I got so much. What, what, that. Explain to me. I don't know what a shusher is. It's, it's a little, I wish I used to keep it in here. I don't have it in here now, but it's a small little device that when the baby is really freaking out and you have no idea why and you haven't slept in 72 hours and you're starting to hallucinate and you're losing your mind and questioning why you ever became a mom and it's like 3 a.m. and you're like, everything looks like a monster. It's a, it's a great little cheat. So it's a little orange device that um, it, it makes a human shh noise, right? It goes shh, shh, literally. Because guess what? My lips were dry, people. And I studied theater, so I know how to project to the back of the house. I was like chapped. I was hoarse. I was like, I can't. And she, and she loved shushing so much. And I was like, I've got to find another way to do it. Do I record myself? And I, I found a shusher. I got so much heat for it. Guess what? 
it still works. And to this day, as like a Pavlovian thing, when we do a long shh during a bad time, automatically de-escalates. I used owl, owl, you know, the little, it's like the oxometer that goes on the foot analytics about like O2 saturation and um, heartbeat. I absolutely use that like outlet. I have no regrets. It was a heavy price tag, but it was the one piece and there's analytics. I can roll over at night like a complete data exhausted nerd mom and go O2 saturation, trend <laughs> Heart rate. When you're so tired, you just start to lose your mind. I mean, I could be a foot away from her, but they sleep so soundly. You're like, are you okay? Should I go over? Do I go over and do I wake you up to see if you're okay, even though I just worked seven and a half hours to put you to sleep? Please help me. And then you finally get them to sleep and then suddenly you intensely miss them and you want to go back over and you're like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, that's motherhood in a nutshell. Just like, I need a rehab. We have one of these mats that you put underneath them yes. that that kind of monitors their their breathing. Yes. And if they stop breathing, the alarm goes off. It works well for a while until they learn to roll. And then it's all off. Oh, and the first off. time they learn to roll, you're like, oh, God, don't. Get the alarm. Get out of I'll, I'll never forget the sound of that alarm going off. We put it on too loose. And I literally, I tore my, my C-section bandage as I was like, oh, my God. Off. It was a nightmare. And I mean, I learned a lot. If you want to hear about failures in the first three months, please hit me up in my DMs because I have a, a buttload of like, here's what you don't want to do. Okay. Oh my God. This I'm is sure like the opposite of my experience. I was I'm jealous. Okay. Okay. I didn't monitor anything. The kids literally slept with me. I did not care. Oh, I know. I know oh. they sleep so closely. I, the, the newborn would sleep with me and sometimes my husband would sleep there too. Sometimes it was all of us. It was just Oh look, you're having you're having anxiety. <laughs> oh, it's so hot in here. It's so hot. Close sleeping makes me sweat. It makes me <laughs> Brandy, we were definitely separated at birth. There's just no question about it. I'm gonna yeah. go get my specs and everyone will know that we were separated at birth. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. I feel like I definitely, I used like Sprout to track like feeding and stuff like that. And I use those apps, but I feel like for the first, I'm not going to lie, for the first year, I was pretty stupid. Like I was so tired that I couldn't remember who I was. I didn't know what I was doing. So it helped to have like a report to look at. But by mm. I would say nine and a half to 10 months, I eased up on that because there was a rhythm that arrived. And you people would tell me all the time, oh, you're going to get into a rhythm. And I'm like, when? <laughs> when magical, like fairy tale <laughs> rhythm of motherhood arrived? Is it like, again, comes in the door like a Disney bird and lands on my shoulder and goes, and now you know when they sleep and when they eat. None of that ever happened. And then we hit the nine and a half month mark and then suddenly a rhythm arrived. I know we wake, we eat, we play, we eat, we play, you nap, I work, we sleep. And that that rhythm arrived, but it took a really long time to get there. So it was useful, but the tech kind of went on a, a down tick after that because I started to trust myself to be a mom, whenever that means. And it's different for everyone. But I was like, it's okay. I can I can take a breath now. We're past the SIDS point. Um, here we are. There's a 10% likelihood. And every day it's going down by double digits. So hooray. Um, but yeah, I feel like that first 12 months is the, if, for me personally, my bias opinion, it was a hell of a time. It was like becoming a different person completely. And you're super tired during it. So it's extra hard. <laughs> Even with support, it's still your body. Like this, yeah. this especially yeah. breastfeeding. And that's a whole nother thing. Like, that could be a whole session. Honestly, <laughs> breastfeeding and postpartum, you guys, like it's not, it's not this Instagram thing. It's, it's hard. And so many people go through it and don't even talk about it and invasive thoughts and all that stuff. But I mean, it took probably for me to come back online nine and a half to 12 months until I felt like part of my brain had woken back up again. And that's yes. off. That's after you've been pregnant. So I think a lot of, a lot of <laughs> businesses or people don't I think know. about the fact that every single pregnancy and, and birth is different. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, that's why I don't like this whole, you get three months and then you got to be back to normal. Like it takes, it takes time and it takes different people, different amount of time and people experience different things, both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. But Lewis, that's true way, way beyond the first year of your baby, right? So yeah. you're, you're a parent and a, 
you know, you're a parent that has a serious responsibility to nurture the body mm. and then nurture the mind mm. up until your kids are probably mm. kind of 18, 20 odd years old. And I think that we kind of forget um, certainly at an organizational level and maybe even at a human level that as a parent and as a mom, you're constantly having to learn to reinvent yourself. Your children go through so many different phases of how they need you. Physically, they need you in their very early days. In their toddler years, they need you physically a bit, but less so, and they need you mentally a bit more. You move into the phase that I'm in, um, and actually it's almost 100% mental, and you have to be present. You have to be present because they don't talk to you. So you have to read between the lines. You have to, they don't talk to you, so you have to ask questions. You have to probe. You have to work out what the best way to probe is in order to get the answers that you're actually looking for. So, you know, and I think we forget that. So this need in particularly tech where our jobs, and I'm sure you guys are the same, are always on, like 24-7, if you, particularly if you work for a global company where the sun's always rising somewhere, you know, Japan, India, the US, China, you know, everyone's sending everyone emails 24-7 and switching off and being present for your children so that you can actually listen to them and hear and read between the lines and interpret becomes so so important when they get to those older years and in the t in the companies that we work for actually that's really really hard because it's not i just can't talk today it's a i actually need to be able to not be present for quite large periods of time over yeah. quite a long period of time and to have permission to do that is it's actually quite challenging. So I think that's another space that we don't think about as much as we probably should. Yeah. I feel like it's death by a thousand cuts. It's not yes. like some giant massive gap that we as moms in tech are like, oh, that's definitively why we leave or that's definitively mm -hmm. why the model fail. It's all the tiny little things. It's all those tiny little things that add up. And that that's actually, I think it was Tara Wheeler um, she was like Fizzmint. It was a Seattle startup. I remember reading that in an article and it was death by a thousand cuts. So it's many small things. And it's funny because at least for me, like as a mom, like over time, all of those little actions become like habits and they become same for children that are forming themselves. Like all their little actions become habits. They become who they are. And I felt the same way with orgs, like little actions speak volumes. And if you think that they don't, then why are you doing them? Do you know what I mean? Like it's those little actions, they add up and they are the face of of who you are. So it's important to, you know, walk the walk if you're going to talk the talk on that support level and then acknowledge that this is normal. Like this is the normalization of what was once considered like maternity risk or like it's a risk to be a parent. You know what I mean? And I don't think that it should be. If anything, I think being a parent has made me more more aware of like career trajectory and path and compensation and building and making sure that whatever I'm doing is successful because the lights are on, right? It's not like the, you're 20 or whenever, you know, when you're young and you're like, I can go live in an RV down by the river. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of stage of living has changed. And so the risk is higher. And so I put, I actually work, I think I, I work harder and longer because of being a parent. It's, it's the opposite of what I think people would expect is I put in more hours yeah. Because I see the big picture here. It's not just the three-foot view. It's 30,000 feet. Let me look 10 years down the line. And if I take these steps with the company, what will that trajectory look like for my past so that I can optimize my kids' college experience? Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm sitting up at, like, 2 a.m. going, you know, what does that look like for when they're 13 or 16? Or, like, how will this work? Will it work? What else should I be doing? Businesses you know? are definitely short-sighted in that respect. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think it's really important. I see it as a recruiter that we are doing everything we can to bring people back from maternity and paternity, more specifically maternity, because I think having strong women in tech can make a huge impact. So I think like, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, I think we've covered some really interesting. I imagine we could probably talk about this for hours. And I, I, I can categorically say that I've I've... I'm sitting here nervous about the what what's to come, but in the same breath, like super excited. And mm -hmm. I think it's made me think differently, definitely made me think differently about, I mean, I don't want to say it too loud because my girlfriend will think I really understand her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's, only, she's only over there. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think it's going to make me think differently about everything moving forward. And, and I, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm having a boy, but there was part of me that wanted a girl for all of these, like for what we're talking about now, being able to create a strong female. I was actually really excited about that opportunity as a father. Um, and I think just being in recruitment has, has made me want to be that way inclined. But um, I really, really appreciate you, you all coming on. It's been fun. Thank you. It's been fun. Oh. I've really enjoyed meeting you guys. Uh, Brandy, your kids Hello. were great. I barely heard them. Oh, your daughter. <laughs> sorry, is there anyone? No, I was going to say, I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Wait, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 2020, anything can happen. Where's wood? I need wood to knock on. Um, but no, that's because I, I subtexted and was like, please put frozen. <laughs> <laughs> She's checking the <laughs> analytics. <laughs> I like, Yeah, no, but, uh, this is great. I love the conversation in, in KGD. You guys are amazing. And, and shout out to anyone who is or is not or maybe future parent because it's, like I said, it's exhausting, but it's beautiful. And I'm trying to remember the saying, what is it? The days are long, but the years are short. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I did want to kind of reiterate as well. So, um Kate's got the dedicated conference coming up. What, what was the date for that? October 27th. So it's almost a month away. Free to attend. Go check it out. I want to get 10,000 people signed up. We're at close to 3,000 now, I think. Um, somewhere around 2,800. So. I love the fact that it was only probably a week ago you were saying that I really want to get to 2,000. Now you're almost at three and we're aiming for 10. That's brilliant. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. 10 is the goal. Let's see if that happens. But thanks yeah. for letting me shout it out here, Lewis. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to give you a second shout out. So obviously you, you mentioned your book earlier. Um, oh. I'm going to leave a link to the to the book um, following this with the, the you know, the videos that, that come from my marketing team. But um, I'll make sure to, to get that out there as well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. For those interested, it's basically a compilation of what we just discussed. Um, and we get into all the details about maternity leave breastfeeding, getting pregnant, going back to work, dealing with your boss and all that good stuff. And also the beauty of being in, in the space where you can work remotely and, you know, some of those benefits as well. Love that. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. It was thanks. a pleasure. Bye. Take care, guys. Be safe. Cheers. Bye. Bye.